This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Dr. Andrew Wakefield and Del Bigtree, the director and producer of a documentary that has caused more than a stir... Uh, You'll recall that Vaxxed, from cover-up to catastrophe, uh, was banned from the Tribeca Film Festival, and then later Robert De Niro, the the founder, the curator, I I suppose, of the festival, uh, went public and declared that he regretted that decision. Uh, De Niro has an adult son with autism, and uh, Vaxxed, of course, examines the the cover-up, the omission of data, the destruction of data, Uh, by the Centers for Disease Control while they were conducting a study examining possible links between the MMR vaccine and autism. Uh, So, again, Dr. Andrew Wakefield and Del Bigtree are standing by. Uh, Ian Robertson is here on the other side of the glass, twisting dials and knobs, and uh, young Will Power, sort of the uh, the audio sorcerer's apprentice, is uh, working alongside Ian. Welcome, Will. Uh, Albert Vinzel is back, of course, after a much-deserved break, my story producer, and he's running our Hangout on Air. Yes, we stream this radio program as well uh, live on YouTube, and you can join in. Just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Find the tweet at or near the top of the feed, and it contains a link. Just click on that HOA link, and you're in. All right, let me remind you, Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern... Season four of The Conspiracy Show, a television program uh, with yours truly, airs across Canada on Vision TV. Monday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, Vision TV. Write that down and slap it on your refrigerator. Uh, get, on up at the, uh, get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca, and that's the portal to this program and the television uh, program as well and other projects. Strangeplanet.ca. Check out the live events page. We have two events coming this fall. Uh, One is confirmed now for Saturday, October the 15th. 
Saturday, October 15th, Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends and Curses with our Gary Patterson, the Fox Mulder of Rock, and tickets will be going on sale within days uh, through the live events page, again, at Strange Planet, and also through my good friends and partners at Conspiracy Culture. More information coming in days. Uh, One more item before we get to... uh, the link between the MMR vaccine and autism with Dr. Wakefield and Del Bigtree. A few weeks ago, I was in Salt Lake City. I was working on a, a new TV project, and my cameraman, JJ, and I were uh, in behind the state capitol building uh, overlooking Salt Lake City. We were there. We were uh, there at sunset filming a time lapse of the, uh, the cityscape at sunset. There were some teenagers up there, very nice young men and women. And... Um, uh, one of the young men we met at, uh, it's called The View, uh, is celebrating his birthday today. Irving M- uh, Miranda Huff is 19 today. Irving, if you're listening, a happy birthday to you. There was another young man up there, Sergio, who told us that uh, his hero is Nikola Tesla, and he wants to be an inventor. So hello to you too, Sergio. So again, happy birthday to Irving Miranda Huff, and hello to Sergio in Salt Lake City. Okay, let's get going. I recently watched Vaxxed. From cover-up to controversy, and it makes a very compelling case, one might say open and shut case, that the CDC did indeed omit data, they destroyed data, they altered their original analysis plan, and we'll explain what that means. And this was a major study that was co-authored by senior scientist turned whistleblower Dr. William Thompson, and we talked about him on this program a couple of years ago. They investigated in this study whether there is a link between the mumps, measles, rubella vaccine and autism or autism spectrum disorder. You'll recall that uh, Dr. Wakefield published a study in Lancet in the late 90s which investigated possible links between the MMR vaccine and autism. He never said in the study that MMR causes autism and indeed he concluded that more study was needed. A Lancet later retracted the study, said its findings were an enormous fraud and so forth. We're all familiar with that story. Then, of course, two years ago, Dr. William Thompson, as I mentioned, senior scientist with the CDC, revealed these were secretly taped phone conversations. He was a whistleblower. He was reaching out to somebody that was looking for more information. Uh, And he, again, co-authored this um, study and said, omitted, destroyed data that showed a link between the MMR vaccine and autism. Director Andrew Wakefield is an academic gastroenterologist. He received his medical degree from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School in London in 1981. He qualified as Fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons in 1985 and trained as as a gastrointestinal surgeon with a particular interest in, in inflammatory bowel disease. He was awarded a a Welcome Trust Traveling Fellowship to study small intestinal transplantation in Toronto. He was made a fellow of the Royal College of Pathologists in the UK in 2001. And uh, Dr. Wakefield has published over 140 original scientific papers, reviews, and book chapters. In 95, as an academic physician working in the London Teaching Hospital, he was contacted by a parent of an autistic child with stomach issues. He soon learned from several other parents with autistic behaviors that their children's regressive behavior immediately followed an MMR vaccine. He started investigating a possible role between gastrointestinal issues, the MMR vaccine, and neurological injury in children. In pursuit of this possible link, Dr. Wakefield participated in a study of 12 children with both stomach and developmental issues. 
the ensuing report, written with 12 other authors, would catapult Wakefield into becoming one of the most controversial figures in the history of medicine. The results of the study were submitted to Lancet, a British medical journal for publication in February 1998. The paper, which has become one of the most misrepresented in medical history, specifically stated, now listen to this carefully, quote, we did not prove an association between measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine and the syndrome described. Virological studies are underway that may help to resolve the issues. If there is a a causal link between measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine and this syndrome, a rising incidence might be anticipated after the introduction of this vaccine in the UK in 1988. Published evidence is inadequate to show whether there is a change. End quote. However, with the paper's publication, the dean of the medical school held a press briefing with some of the co-authors in attendance. Wakefield was called upon to answer a question as to what parents should do in light of concerns about MMR vaccine safety. He responded that in his mind there was enough doubt about MMR vaccine safety that parents should opt for the single measles, mumps, and rubella vaccines. In other words, he's not saying, he's not swearing off vaccines. He's saying take the single vaccines that were available at, um, well, up until that point. He said, it's a moral issue for me. I can't support the continued use of these three vaccines given in combination until this issue has been resolved. Wakefield advocated for the use of single vaccines. He did not say stop using vaccines altogether, as many have been led to believe. Nonetheless, this minted Wakefield as the father of the anti-vaccine movement. Dell Bigtree is the producer of the controversial film Vaxxed, from cover-up to catastrophe, uh, directed, as we say, by Dr. Andy Wakefield. He was an Emmy Award-winning producer on the daytime talk show The Doctors, one of my wife's favorites. For six years, with a background as a filmmaker and investigative medical journalist, Adele, Andrew, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good. Well, I thought... Thank you. Good to be here. And uh, do we have uh, Dr. Wakefield as well? Yep. Can you hear me? Excellent. And Dell, you're there as well. Terrific. Thank you both. Uh, that a, a lengthy introduction, but I wanted to sort of set the table for people. Those not familiar with the Lancet study, or Dr. Uh, uh, William jo- um, uh, Thompson, the whistleblower, etc. First of all, gentlemen, uh, congratulations. Uh, it's a very compelling case you make. But as a parent, watching these other parents suffer who have uh, autistic children, they believe, obviously linked to the MMR vaccine. It's very painful to watch. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, you know, what kind of reaction you're getting uh, from, from parents, but I just wanted to throw that out there. It's, it's hard. It's heart-wrenching. Yeah, I think for, for parents who are, have children who are damaged, it's, uh, it's, it's heart-wrenching, but it's a vindication that their position on the vaccine um, and the, the medical illness in their child was right all along, which has been denied so many times by so many doctors. And for those parents who are at the movie, who've seen the movie, who do not have affected children, realize that they've missed a bullet and they are um, very, very moved by what they see, just just as you have been. Uh, you set up the the... the a relationship between uh, Dr. William Thompson, the whistleblower at the CDC, and this gentleman that he reached out to, uh, Dr. Brian Hooker, um, who is, a, um, I believe, an environmental professor who was sort of making inquiries into 
data that the CDC may or may not have regarding this very study. Can you sort of set up how those two uh, came in contact? Sure, sure. Brian, uh, Brian Hooker is a sure. He's a, he's a scientist. He's a father of an affected child, a child who was uh, vaccinated some years ago, severely affected, totally nonverbal. Um, Brian and his wife are effectively confined to the home when he's not teaching because they cannot take this boy out in public for the most part. It, it's a, an extraordinary life that they've lived for a very long time. And he, Brian, has been trying to get vaccine safety data out of the CDC for many, many years through FOIA. And he had been interacting with William Thompson in really quite a hostile way back in the early uh, 2000s. And, and it was therefore incredibly surprising to him that he should get a call from William Thompson, the whistleblower in 2013, and, and really burying his soul and telling him he was right all along. And you say that initially the, the relationship was rather hostile because I'm assuming Dr. Thompson, like a lot of scientists at the CDC, are sort of seen as the first line of defense. In other words, what, are they instructed not to cooperate with public inquiries? Or not public inquiries, but uh, inquiries from the general public. Are they encouraged to... to well, he you, got a scientifically trained um, father asking them really awkward questions, questions they do not want to have to answer. And at that time, of course, William Thompson knew they committed fraud. And he... He was aware of fraud, not only in his own study, but the potential for fraud in other vaccine-related studies that he wasn't a direct part of. So he, he was feeling the heat from people like Brian Hooker, asking awkward questions. So at the time, it was a nuisance. It was a real nuisance. And Thompson was having his own sort of uh, inner conflict with, with the fact that they committed fraud. And I think he found that all very, very difficult. Uh, but it was to Hooker that he would turn, ironically, some years later and confess. All right, we're, we are coming up on a break. When we come back, we'll talk about how uh, this study's analysis plan uh, was changed, how data was omitted, how data was destroyed, whether or not there was an obstruction of justice, and, and really what this study was designed to find out, what did it find out, and exactly what was the nature of the data that was omitted and destroyed. Adele Bigtree, Andy Wakefield, director, producers of Vaxxed from Cover Up to Catastrophe, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. 
All right. Uh, welcome back, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, uh, director and Dell Bigtree producer of Vaxxed from Cover Up to Catastrophe. Let me point out, if you haven't seen this film, and you really ought to, you owe it to yourself and to your family, and then you can decide for yourself. But here there are some special screenings happening right here in Toronto at the Kingsway Theatre. That's in Etobicoke, uh, July the 29th through August 4th. Kingsway Theatre, Etobicoke, July 29th through August 4th. These are special Q&A screenings with Dr. Wakefield. Friday, July 29th, um, uh, to follow from 5 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. showtimes, 5 p.m. and 7.30. Saturday, July 30th, and again, a Q&A to follow, and these are 5 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. showtimes. Friday the 29th, Saturday the 30th, uh, tickets can be purchased at the box offices, and um, uh, again, that's at the Kingsway Theatre. Conspiracy Culture Bookstore, good friends Patrick and Kadena, will be hosting a meet and greet with Dr. Wakefield. Friday the 29th from 2 to 4 p.m. Again, Friday the 29th, 2 to 4 p.m. at Conspiracy Culture. Now they've moved. New address, 1605 Queen Street West. 1605 Queen Street West, and that's in the designer's market, booth number five. All right. Now, Dell Big Tree and uh, Andy Wakefield, stay with us. Okay, so um, uh, neither of you, you know, uh, jump in here, but the the conversations between Dr. William Thompson and uh, Brian Hooker, uh, he revealed that the analysis plan of this study that he was a co-author of had been altered. Uh, explain if, what that's what the study intended to find out, and then how they altered the the analysis plan. Well, you Andy there? Go ahead, Andy. You go ahead. Okay, right. Well, the analysis plan is a crucial part of any scientific study. It kind of sets out how the rules of how the study is going to be conducted and analyzed. And uh, they had a a pre-agreed upon analysis plan. All of the co-authors, five co-authors, sat down and hashed this out and decided this is how they were going to cut cut, uh, how they were going to conduct the study. And once you've done that, you've got to stick to that plan. You cannot abandon it, particularly when you find a result that you don't like. And that's exactly what they found. They tested the hypothesis that younger age of MMR vaccination was a risk for autism. The younger you, you get it, the greater the risk. And these what were... And is that for two groups in particular, there was... A... Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. Oh, sorry, for two groups in particular, there, were a, there was a very high risk. Uh, for getting autism if you would receive the vaccine between 12 and 18 months of age. That's on on the CDC's own recommended schedule. And those two groups of children were children of any race who were developmentally normal for the first year of life, a group that they called isolated autism. And the second group was African-American boys. And those two groups were at very high risk of autism if they got the, the vaccine on the CDC schedule. That couldn't be allowed to stand. That's the data that they then hid. They then decided to destroy the documentary evidence, the, the, all of the contemporaneous documents that led back to that, those observations. William Thompson knew that that was a federal offense. You were destroying documents that um, were owned by the government, in effect, and that was uh, illegal. And so he secretly kept the documents that he was able to, able to later supply to us, to Brian Hooker and to Congressman Bill Posey. And so in making this documentary, what we had is various levels of fraud, including the 
concealing of statistically significant destruction of federal documents and then later distortion of the truth that led to um, an obstruction of justice, effectively, the, uh, the throwing out of 5,000 cases of plaintiffs, children in the U.S. vaccine court who uh, were waiting to have their cases heard on vaccines and autism. They were dismissed, sum summarily dismissed by the special masters, the judges. And so um, really what this amounts to is the worst medical fraud in the history of the world. Uh, in the in the uh, film Adele, the, you show documents, uh, sort of internal documents from the CDC, and I'm not sure if it's uh, the former head of the CDC, Julie Gerberding, uh, who's written notes on there, or someone else, uh, which which really seals this case that they were uh, uh, omitting data. Was it Gerberding, or was it someone else within well, the CDC? Yeah, you see, Colleen Boyle has handwritten notes on some of the. Uh, meeting notes that were provided by Dr. William Thompson. We have to understand is not only has Dr. William Thompson uh, made about a four-hour confession that was recorded over a series of phone calls, uh, which would be, you know, damning enough, but he's provided 10,000 documents, uh, including internal emails and all of this data that Andy Wakefield just referred to that was thrown into a garbage can and destroyed. Um, and so, yes, in, in the film, you will see that this, and you have to understand, this, this study took place between 2000 and 2004. And we see emails where Dr. William Thompson, who is the man crunching the numbers, he's the data guy. He's the one saying, look it, we are seeing huge spikes in autism uh, in these groups of children we're looking at. We have a real problem. Uh, and when the group of five scientists started deciding to cover that up and hide it, you see emails as Dr. William Thompson starts reaching out to first just, just you know, the, the person right above him and then the head of the department. And then ultimately, as you're saying, he reaches out to Julie Gerberding, who's the head of the CDC at the time of this study, uh, uh, saying that, you know, we're being asked to lie, and this is not, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. You know, I'm going to talk about, you know, this rise in autism that we're seeing in African-American children and in isolated autism, which is really, I think the most terrifying uh, thing they discovered was that children of all races that were perfectly healthy for the first year of life were up to seven times more likely to develop autism uh, if they got the vaccine between 12 and 18 months on the CDC schedule versus if they waited till after three years old. All of that was hidden. Nobody um, came through to William Thompson after his emails and said, you know, you're right, we've got to do the right thing. Instead, they took him off the panel. They took him out of his speaking engagement. He was the one supposed to be presenting this to the government, to the IOM, the Institute of Medicine, and instead they moved him out of the way uh, and uh, and put someone else in place, Frank Stefano. So this is what you see in the film. You see the whole breakdown of science as we know it. When people say the film is either anti-vaccine or anti-science, the truth is, you know, my background is six years as an Emmy-winning producer on the daytime talk show, The Doctors. I celebrate science. I believe in science. I'm passionate about telling stories of science. And science is not taking place 
at the CDC. This is fraud that's taking place. And children are in harm's way. Millions of children are in harm's way. I live in California, where we've just passed a law that takes away any exemption. Uh, my children cannot go to school unless I give them every vaccine on the schedule uh, designed by this CDC, this lying, fraudulent group of scientists. Uh, are, I have to stick to their schedule. I now know as a, as a journalist that the MMR is a dangerous vaccine, and now the government of California will not let me avoid that vaccine if I want my children to go to school. It's a scary, scary time in America. I think Canada is going to be right behind us. The pharmaceutical industry is pushing fraudulent um, um, products on, on the people of this world. Uh, and it's, it's being mandated by our governments now. And so that's, that's really what's at the heart of the importance of this film. I don't we want vaccine testing to be safe and thorough. It right. has to be thorough. We've got to make sure these vaccines are safe. I, I don't understand what is so controversial about, for example, because let's, you're not anti-vaccine. Dr. Wakefield, you said, listen, take the single doses. And then they got rid of the single doses. They weren't made available. You had to have all three in one, the combination. All you're saying, I mean, in this film at the very least is, hey, just wait till after three years to get the MR, MMR. Is it, I mean, what's controversial about that? Well, I think the thing is, that you know, it's, it's if they reduce the argument, the debate to pro and anti-vaccine, it makes it much simpler for them. This is a public relations exercise. It has no basis in reality. It has no basis in scientific debate or the merits of our respective positions on vaccine safety. It is simply a device. They are pro-anti-vaccine, therefore they're anti-science. We're pro-vaccine, therefore we are pro-science. This is uh, the way in which the pharmaceutical industry and the government operate. And um, it has nothing to do with the facts of the matter, but it enables them to convey to the public a very simple, a very distorted message that we, uh, Dell and I and others who are concerned about vaccine safety, are in fact expressing an anti-vaccine message. The film is about fraud at the CDC. They are terrified of this film. They're terrified of that exposure. And therefore, the longer they can keep up this public relations facade, the better. The truth is, though, it's crumbling. But again, let's just state for the record, you're not anti-vaccine. You're simply saying MMR should not be given according to the CDC schedule. Just wait a while, correct? Yeah, my, my position has always been that there is a pro problem with MMR. It was withdrawn in Canada. Um, originally, it was then withdrawn in the UK after it was introduced. It caused meningitis withdrawn in Japan. Um, it's, it's inherently problematic right from the get-go. And now we're seeing an epidemic of autism where many, many parents are not anti-vaccine, they took their kids to be vaccinated on time, are saying, my child regressed after the MMR. We did not see, see reports of children regressing into autism after the single measles, mumps, or rubella vaccine. So there is something about the combination that is problematic. And so my position is that parents should be allowed and must always be allowed the choice, should never be forced, but should be allowed the choice of the single vaccines, the single measles, mumps and rubella, if they have concerns, genuine concerns about the safety of the AMM. But and I want to jump in here yes. a second, because the thing is, I think it's important to point out is 
What we're saying is, and what Andy's been saying all along, is that it would be safer to go with the single vaccines, which are not available to us anymore. It would be safer to wait until after three years old. But you have to understand how this study was done, because I think a lot of people are really used to, just from our science classes in school, we're more used to a placebo-based study, which is one group gets the drug, the other group does not. And we see, does the group that takes the drug have more side effects like cancer yeah. or more problems down the road? The Do double blind, that's asthma, the gold you know? standard. That's the gold the standard. Gold, the, the gold standard of all safety testing. And that is not being done at all with vaccines. This study did not look between people between children that got the vaccine and didn't get the vaccine. It simply looked at children that got the vaccine early versus those that got them later. So what we know is there's a seven times increase in healthy children that got the vaccine between 12 and 18 months versus if they'd waited till after three years old, but still children that got the vaccine after three year old, years old developed autism too. What we'd really like to see is what is what does it look like? What is the rate of increase if you look at children that got the vaccine between 12 and 18 months versus those that never got the vaccine at all? That is a study we've been asking for for over 15 years now, and the CDC refuses to do that study, even though that's the exact study every single drug we take goes through. So vaccines are getting a free ride from the standardized testing we all thought was taking place. I think that was one of the most shocking things I discovered as a medical journalist. I was under the assumption, as I'm sure most of the world was, that vaccines were going through scrutinized, you know, safety testing, placebo-based studies, looking at, you know, are there, why do we have such a massive increase in ADD, ADHD in our, in our children now? Why do we have so much um, autoimmune diseases, diabetes running rampant, asthma, deadly food allergies? Autism, of course, has gone from one in 10,000 in the 70s to now we're at one in 45 children and skyrocketing. If we stay on this pace, you'll see in our film, we've, we've had an MIT mathematician lay it out. If we stay on this pace of increase with autism, by 2032, one in two children is going to be on the autism spectrum. And I was under the impression this we were testing this. I mean, you look at Viagra, a drug we give to grandpa, that went through years and years of safety testing to make sure it didn't have other side effects. Yet the Hep B vaccine, the hepatitis B vaccine we are giving to day one old babies was tested for four days. It's remarkable. And there's a scene That's in the film uh, where uh, uh, we're going into a break, and we'll pick up this uh, point on the other side. There was a uh, There's a scene in Vaxxed from cover-up to uh, catastrophe where a, um, a higher-up with the CDC under, uh, under oath, a congressional hearing, is asked that very question. Do you test vaccines for safety with, with a vaxxed versus an unvaxxed group? She obfuscated. She three times she was asked the question, and then finally, uh, the the congress congressman had to pull it out of her. No, we don't test vaccines that way. Very very telling uh, point in the film. All right, uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield and Dell Bigtree, uh, the director and producer of Vaxed from Cover Up to Catastrophe. They stay with us right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. 
To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarah from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. I remember when the um, the CDC whistleblower story uh, broke a couple of years ago. William, Dr. William Thompson, the senior scientist on this study, uh, investigating a link between MMR vaccine and uh, autism. We had John Rappaport, medical uh, journalist, on the show talking about it. And at that point, you know, there was, a lot of us were maybe incredulous. But now we hear the voice. These uh, taped conversations with Dr. William Thompson of the CDC and uh, this other gentleman, Brian Hooker, who was investigating. Uh, trying to, to, to squeeze out of the CDC some of this data to find out what was going on with his own son who developed autism after getting the MMR vaccine. Uh, and I tell you, you, you really owe it to yourself to see this film. It's called Vaxxed from Cover Up to Catastrophe, and it's playing here in the uh, Toronto area at the Kingsway Theatre. That's 3030 Bloor Street West. Kingsway Theatre, 3030 Bloor Street West. And it's playing there from July 29th to the 4th. Uh, but there are two special screenings, the 29th, Friday the 29th, and uh, that's from 5 p.m. and also at 7.30 p.m. And then Saturday the, th- the 30th, Saturday, July 30th from 5 p.m. and a- another showing at 7.30 p.m. Uh, and both of those screenings will be followed by Q&A sessions with Dr. Wakefield himself. And then on uh, the 29th as well from 2 to 4 Dr. Wakefield will be part of a meet-and-greet at Conspiracy Culture Bookstore, 1605 Queen Street West. 1605 Queen Street West. It's the designer's uh, market building. All right. Uh, Del Bigtree and Dr. Andrew Wakefield, uh, stay with us. Uh, tell me about the uh, the decision to, to tape. This is kind of a sticky wicket, I would think. Uh, the, the, the decision to, to, to have Brian Hooker record these conversations with uh, William Thompson. Who made that decision? How was it made? Okay. And what are the legalities? Right. There are two issues here. One is the, is it legal? And um, the way in which we did this was to, uh, in America, you have two party states and one party states. Two party states, both parties on the call have to agree to it being recorded. In one party states, you don't. So Brian Hooker lived in California, which was a two party state. He would drive three hours north to Oregon to take these calls to make it legal. That's number one. Number two, people have said, oh, that was a bad thing to do to record these phone calls. Him admitting that they had put millions of children in harm's way. Really? Really? Should we be feeling concerned about that in the face of such an egregious crime against humanity? I mean, they don't equate. They don't, I mean, that simply doesn't compute that there was something that was immoral about recording that conversation so that this information could be brought to the public so that they could have informed consent 
about the true safety of vaccines and what was really going on at the CDC compared with Dr. Thompson's sensibilities about being recorded. I'm afraid I don't see that moral argument whatsoever. That's a great point. I, I, Go I, ahead, Dale. I'd, also like, I'd like to point out, too, that usually when we have a whistleblower story, uh, one of the knocks against a whistleblower is somehow they had an axe to grind. They were trying to get even with a boss or they're trying to blackmail the company into paying them out some big amount of money. Uh, in this case, what we had was Dr. William Thompson was literally con just confessing his sins. He's, he's going, you can hear the, this cathartic experience taking place in these recordings where he's being relieved to finally get this guilt off of his chest. He's unaware he's being recorded while he's saying this. He has nothing to gain from it. And so really, I think of all the whistleblower stories there's ever been, this is the cleanest whistleblower we've ever had. This man has no reason to be doing this. He's not trying to get in, uh, you know, get it over on anybody or somehow make some money. He's simply trying to get this off his chest and get information to Brian Hooker so Brian Hooker can go about trying to save children on his own. And thank God uh, Andy Wakefield and Brian Hooker were brave enough. And, you know, I mean, I find it interesting. You have two scientists, both Andy Wakefield and Brian Hooker. They're not spies. This isn't what they do. But, you know, William Thompson had already made these many, many confessions and already provided documents to Brian Hooker. And Brian Hooker was beginning to publish uh, data from the data that had been thrown out. So it was just going to be a matter of time before the CDC found out they had someone inside leaking out what they thought had been destroyed, information that they thought they'd gotten rid of. So really, you know, William Thompson was a marked man. In my mind, he could, he could be in Guantanamo Bay right now had Andy Wakefield and Brian Hooker not made the brilliant choice to start recording uh, these phone calls and then ultimately putting the, you know, those statements out online. So they, by outing Dr. William Thompson, they saved his life and in addition have, I think, will ultimately have saved the lives of millions of children. All right. Uh, this was a short segment. We'll come back and a longer segment. We'll take it to the top. Dell Bigtree, producer, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, director of Vaxxed, From Cover Up to Catastrophe, a film that must be seen. And I'll remind you again later where and how you can see it in here, here in the uh, Toronto area. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, uh, welcome back. Dr. Andrew Wakefield and Dell Bigtree stay with us. Vaxxed from cover-up to catastrophe. Now playing at the, uh, well, will be playing at the Kingsway Theatre, uh, July 29th to August the 4th. Uh, but two special screenings, July 29th and the uh, 30th, 5 p.m. and 7.30 p.m., two screenings both days, and they'll both be followed by Q&A sessions with Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Uh, and uh, on Friday the 29th, uh, Dr. Wakefield will also be at a meet and greet 
uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. at Conspiracy Culture, uh, which is at 1605 Queen Street West, and that's in the uh, designer's market. All right. Um, boy, oh, boy. This is uh, – it's, it's, to me, it looks like an opening case – an open and shut case that that the CDC uh, omitted data, destroyed data, changed their analysis plan, perhaps even obstructed justice. Uh, you obviously are are pushing for um, Gerberding and others, uh, Dr. William Thompson, uh, to be subpoenaed by a, a, a hearing, a congressional hearing. Now they can't. Dr. Thompson can't volunteer. He has to be subpoenaed. Correct. That is. Correct. Is protected under whistleblower laws, and as such, he simply can't go ahead and talk to the media. He has to brought uh, before a court of law, and in fact, perhaps one of the most effective ways it will be to have this before some sort of court of law, as well as having these people subpoenaed by Congress. Um, and that's what needs to happen. Justice needs to not only be done, but be seen to be done. And these individuals cannot be allowed to hide behind the facade of the CDC, but must be exposed as individuals. And that must be done, and it must be a deterrent to anyone conducting this kind of fraud in the future. This is if, if they are successful in, in, in subpoena, or you are successful, or Dr. Uh, or, or Brian Hooker is successful, or all of you working as a team, getting Gerberding and, and other scientists, CDC, sitting there. This is going to be like the, the tobacco giants that were grilled by congressmen, and finally, you know, they had to, they, I mean, they, they lied under oath, uh, obviously, about the effects of uh, cigarettes and that the fact that they knew that they caused cancer. I mean, this is going to be right up there with that. This is going to blow things wide open. And there's so much at stake now. I mean, they've got to double down because if if they're shown to have been, uh, you know, fraudulent and, and omitting and, and uh, omitting data, destroying data, this is just going to cause. I can't imagine. I mean, millions of of children are, have been affected. This is just going to be uh, a firestorm. Well, I mean, think we have, we're up against several issues. I mean, you bring up tobacco. When tobacco, when the you know when that whistleblower stepped forward, tobacco was not the number one most powerful lobby in the United States of America. We find ourselves now where the pharmaceutical industry has more money in Washington than anything we have ever seen. More lawyers, more money pouring, uh, pouring into uh, our politicians and our government. We have the pharmaceutical industry is writing our laws on vaccine policy and pushing that through the politicians that they own. Uh, you know, one of the things we need to get Dr. William Thompson on the stand, but the United States government has failed us this job for two years. I mean, and what's even more terrifying, not only do you have your government not doing its job and protecting these citizens of America, the entire media system in America has, has shirked their duty also. I mean, you know, you're a journalist. Uh, they consider journalism is the fourth estate. This is the fourth branch of government. Doc, you know, T Thomas Jefferson said, if we lose a free newspaper, a free media, we will lose our democracy. And that's exactly what I've discovered along this process. We're being censored out of film festivals, kicked out of theaters. And you look at William Thompson steps forward and says, we're committing fraud at the most important health agency in the world. We're committing fraud and putting children in harm's way. And not a single newspaper in the United States of America and not a single mainstream news agency 
touch the story. And then in July of last year, you brought up Congressman uh, Bill Posey out, out of Florida, a sitting congressman, stepped before our own Congress and said, I have done an extensive interview now with the CDC whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson. I have a scientific body looking through the 10,000 documents he's provided, and we it is scary. He is saying to the Congress, the American people are trusting us. They're believing in us. And what this man has showed me and what he's given me and what he has said, the Congress needs to hear. And he ended it saying, please, please, I beg, I implore you, subpoena Dr. William Thompson. And not only has the Congress not done that job now in over a year since that congressman stepped forward and demanded that, not a single newspaper, not a single news agency thought that was a story the American public should know. That is the death of a democracy. We are in dangerous, dangerous shape because our news is now owned by the very industry that is poisoning our children. And that's a fact. And the former head of the CDC, director of the CDC, Dr. Gerberding, is now where? She is now the head of the vaccine division at Merck, the very same company that makes the MMR vaccine. Clearly, they appreciated the job that she did investigating their vaccine. Boy, no appearance of conflict of interest there, is there? Yeah, none. It's, it's, it's the most egregious. You said this is a big story. You're right. This is going to make Watergate look like a nursery game. This is going to make the tobacco industry look like nothing. We have children dying. We Autism's only one part of this. We have more babies die on the first day of life in the United States of America than every other industrialized nation combined. And what's the difference? We inject a vaccine into a day one old baby for a sexually transmitted disease that they will not come in contact with until they are either sexually active Gardasil. or sharing needles. Gardasil, right. Uh, it, talk to me about the, the 1986 law that prevents uh, the public from suing these vaccine manufacturers uh, and, and uh, the, how these vaccine courts work, that are basically any penalties are paid by the taxpayer. Yeah, what an extraordinary situation where you your feet are held to the fire as a government by a pharmaceutical industry that says if you do not not indemnify us from any liability, then we will stop making vaccines. And so that, that's exactly what happened. Reagan signed this into law, but he was re reluctant to do so. Um, it nonetheless got pushed through. And from that point forward, the pharmaceutical industry in respect of vaccines and the nuclear industry are the only industries that are exempt from liability. And for the pharmaceutical industry, it's only for claims in excess of 100 million billion dollars, I believe. So the pharmaceutical industry is getting a free ride. What an extraordinary business model. You make vaccines, you buy the politicians to get these vaccines put onto the schedule. You then face, you have mandatory vaccine laws that mean everybody's got to have your vaccine, not once, but twice, three, four, five times, largely because they don't work very well. And then when damage is done, you can't be sued. It's an extraordinary business model, and this is why the future of the pharmaceutical industry is in vaccines, because that's where the money is. Now, they have and set up today, these just to, Sorry, go ahead, Tom. I just want to point out that the, the vaccine court that was created in 1986, basically taxpayers now pay for all damages to children that are damaged by the vaccines instead of the pharmaceutical industry that created these damaging vaccines. And to date, that court has paid out 
over $3 billion in vaccine damages to children. So no one can say vaccines are safe and effective. It's impossible. We've paid out over $3 billion for the destruction of human beings. But hasn't the federal government in the United States, because of previous studies, uh, which now are called into question, haven't they eliminated the MMR vaccine from the vaccine court decisions? No, on the contrary. Oh, they haven't. It's the okay. flagship vaccine. No, but Andy, what he means is, yes, you, you can't really win oh, if you're fighting for uh, autism. If you say that your child uh, developed autism sorry. right after the vaccine, Got you get you. kicked yeah. out of um, vaccine courts. So now parents are being forced to say things like, uh, um, uh, my child suffered encephalopathy or brain swelling. They have to choose some other uh, category because of this fraudulent study. This fraudulent study that was, by the way, the last study ever paid for by the United States government looking at the connection between vaccines and autism. This fraudulent study is what they use to say, we've proven it, vaccines don't cause autism. This study is also used against every parent that goes into vaccine court saying that their child developed autism after the vaccine. They say, no, that's impossible. The study in 2004, the MMR autism study, proved that the vaccine does not cause autism. So as Andy pointed out in the very beginning, not only has this fraudulent study put children in harm's way, it's robbed, you know, tens of thousands of children now of their fair day in court. And all of these parents, the CDC says it costs $5 million to raise a child with autism. And that bill is being left on these poor parents that did what they believed was right, did what their doctor told them to do, went and, and did what was right for society when we're sold on this theory of herd immunity. Their child was destroyed and they're the ones left paying the bill all by themselves. It's such a criminal act. It's, it's, it's beyond imagination. I want people to, to think about this. 2030, if the trend continues, and there's no sign of, of the, the trend flattening, I mean, it is heading north at a, a exponentially. By 2030, one in two, is it boys or children, will have autism. That's an All children. All children. 80% of boys, one in two children. One in two children, 80% of boys? By 2030, that that represents an existential threat. That represents an existential threat to the world. I mean, ISIS is a concern. For some, global warming is a concern. But think about this. 80% of boys by the year 2030 will have autism. That's an existential threat, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Adele Bigtree and uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield, thank you so much for this. I hope we can uh, we can do a follow up. Um, in the meantime, people can see Vaxed from cover up to catastrophe at the Kingsway Theater, thirty thirty Bloor Street West, here in Toronto. It's in Etobicoke, thirty thirty Bloor Street West, July twenty ninth to August fourth, and uh, you can uh, join uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield and uh, Brian Burroughs for a Q and A. After select screenings, Friday the 29th and Saturday the 30th of July. And for more information, go to kingswaymovies.ca, kingswaymovies.ca. Adele, Andrew, thank you so much. Congratulations on the film. You're doing the Lord's work. Thank you very much. And if people go to vaxthemovie.com, 
they can see we'll be streaming the film live i mean going out streaming next month and the dvd's right behind if you want to be aware of what's taking place sign our newsletter at backstthemovie.com thank you so much for having us thank you for being a journalist and doing your job to get this story out there i really appreciate it all right dell thank you thank you, so much. Thank you dr wakefield all right the other thing is uh, Adele, actually, he showed these uh, documents to members of, of uh, The Doctors, a very popular television show. You've probably seen it. He showed these documents to two of the doctors. These are mainstream sort of orthodox medicine, pro-vaccine doctors who appear on that show. They saw these documents. They went through them. They were aghast, absolutely aghast. All right. The website, strangeplanet.ca, that's your portal to this program. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi cab, RV, camper, loft, heck, your parents' basement, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Sarrett, and uh, welcome to those of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio. That's uh, AM 740 and 96.7 FM here in the Liberty Village of Toronto. 50,000 watts of peace and love, one of the largest broadcast footprints in North America. Uh, Those of you, of course, catching the podcast through iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, and TalkZone.com. Welcome to you. Those of you joining our Hangout on Air, our HOA, which is a live stream on YouTube. Those listening in on the Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps, both free downloads, from Google Play for your Android and iTunes for you iPhone users. Um, 
I uh, recently um, interviewed Dow Big, Big, Big Tree and Dr. Andrew Wakefield, of course, talking about their uh, film Vaxxed from cover-up to catastrophe. And um, a little bit later in the hour, I'll, uh, I'll let you know how I, I, I feel so strongly about this film. Uh, and it's not – these are not anti-vaccine people. Dr. Wakefield has been tarred with that brush, um, but he is not. Uh, in any event – uh, I really encourage you to get the, get out and see that film and decide for yourselves. But I, I've never seen anything like this, how uh, the uh, the mainstream media, uh, uh, politicians, Big Pharma, all seemingly in cahoots circling their wagons. They don't want this film seen. I mean, I know people who tried to rent a theater and, get, and to get this film screened and they were and they were told, no, we're not going to show that film. Never seen anything like that. Can you imagine? Never seen anything like it in my life. All right. Hey, imagine being a fly on the wall at uh, Bohemian Grove. It's kind of a secret society summer camp, which is located uh, in Monterio, California, among the redwood forests in Northern California. Uh, we're going to talk to at least uh, one of the grassroots activists uh, with Resist the Grove, uh, Sean Ackley, and perhaps, um, well, we're trying to reach Greg Fernandez Jr. Uh, they'll they'll join us, or Sean will join us, certainly, in just a few moments. Uh, but once again, just a reminder, don't forget, Season 4 of the TV program, The Conspiracy Show, with yours truly, now airing across Canada on Vision TV, Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Monday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, Seasons 1 through 3 available in the United States on Hulu and Amazon.com. And also get on up to the website strangeplanet.ca and from there there's a radio page and you can click on The Conspiracy Show, the radio program that you're listening to right now. All the information you need about the radio show is there. Who's coming up on the show? Uh, uh, You know, you can go to, uh, if you register, just click on the blue member uh, button on the left-hand side and register. It's fast, free, and easy. You become a member, then you have access to member-only areas like past show archives and the book club. And uh, it's, it's worth, you know, taking a couple of minutes uh, and, and filling that out. There's also, of course, the TV page where you can uh, go to the, uh, the Conspiracy Show television program website and uh, also a live events page. And keep an eye on that because we have some live events coming this fall, including one Saturday, October the 15th. It's called Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends, and Curses with my good buddy R. Gary Patterson, who is a rock historian, quite a musician in his own right. And uh, he is uh, sort of, well, he's the Fox Mulder of rock, and he uncovers all these strange coincidences, uh, strange deaths uh, of uh, some of the rock legends. And he'll be here Saturday, October the 15th. Tickets will be going on sale very soon. Just keep checking the live events page at, at uh, strangeplanet.ca. Uh, All right. For two weeks, every, every summer, the 2,700-acre secured private camp in the ancient Redwood Forest of Northern California plays host to some of the most powerful men in the world. Every Republican president since 1923 has been a member of Bohemian Grove, including Eisenhower, Nixon, Reagan, and the Bush family. Bush family maintains a strong involvement to this day. The top secret operation behind the development of the atomic bomb, known as the Manhattan Project, was first planned, apparently, at the Grove back in 1942, and it's said to have played a key role 
in major political and business deals since it was founded in the late 1800s. This place is a conspiracy theorist's dream come true, but it's also a summer camp in the middle of a remote forest where the global elite can take off their ties and behave like a bunch of lost boys who've tied up their camp counselor, free to run wild and break all the rules. Sean Ackerley is with us. Sean, are you there? I am. Hey, how you doing? Terrific. Thank you for joining us. And do we have Greg Fernandez? We're trying to reach your, uh, your, um, your colleague, Greg Fernandez Jr. We'll keep trying, uh, but I'm glad that you've uh, joined us, Sean. How did, you, uh, how did you become sort of a Bohemian Grove uh, a tracker? You, you live in the San Francisco area, I understand. Is that right? I do. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's pretty large. And how did you first, how did the Bohemian Grove first grab your attention? Well, you know, I came across the Grove through the other actions I was doing. I was getting in with um, actions like uh, End the Federal Reserve, uh, learning more about like guys like Ron Paul. Um, and through those actions, I heard um, of a group of people just kind of got together, you know, organically. And based on that, then I guess you could say, you know, my eyes opened up more and more and more, probably something around the end of 2006, beginning of 2007. I just started learning more about this stuff and um, several a bunch of elites showing up at the... Okay, you're, we're, you, we're then, losing you on the Skype. I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to call you back. Uh, why don't we do that, um, Sean? We're going to call you back on a landline. Are you good for that? Do you have access to a landline? Absolutely. Um, actually, my cell phone will probably work. I think it's my... Okay, why don't we do that? Uh, we're going to hang up now. We're going to call you right back on your cell phone. Sean Ackerley is with us. He's a, uh, a, um, an activist in the Bay Area. Resist the Grove. We're talking about the Bohemian Grove, and this is uh, kind of the summer campground for the super elites. It's uh, located on 2,700 acres near Monterio in Northern California. And um, this is a permanent uh, location. I mean, when we think about other elite gatherings like the Bilderberg uh, group, for example, they move that around a different five-star hotel every year, and they sort of move it from one continent to the next. And of course, uh, always, uh, you know, high security. You can't get anywhere near it. They clear out the hotel. Uh, I mean, I've known people that were in the hotel. They had reservations, uh, and then in comes the um, the Bilderberg group, and they are they are moved out very quickly. Um, I think we've reached Sean uh, on his cell phone now. Sean, are you there? I am. I think that's going to work better. Great. Okay. So um, now, how sort of compare and contrast, let's say, the Bilderberg Group with Bohemian Grove? I mean, are, is, there a, is there a lot of overlap? In other words, at least the, North Amer- the Americans that you would find at uh, the Bilderberg Group, do they by and large also show up at uh, Bohemian Grove? You know what? I, I think the two groups are a little bit separate. Um, of course, I don't know all of the, uh, the membership list, but um, from what we've gathered, the internationalist guys that go around the world doing Bilderberg, um, many of them don't show up at uh, Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove is more like a West Coast thing for, uh, for the United States. You have a few people that might have flown into it at some point, 
Um, even some presidents might fly into it. Um, well, we actually call it Bilderberg West because you have one group on Bilderberg East and then another group on Bilderberg West. All right. But the agendas, uh, or at least the people that go to Bohemian Grove and the Bilderbergs, they are of like mind. Essentially, we are talking about globalists, correct? That's the way I would actually put it. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at a lot of the local news um, that comes out in Sonoma County, you know, they talk about how it's, um, you know, Republicans or conservative you know, power elites that show up at the Grove, and certainly there has been a history of that. But those people, whether it's the Koch brothers to um, other uh, talk show hosts, um, whether it's, you know, Disney members or whatever it is, these are all globalists. So I would absolutely agree with that. Um, they're, they're international in focus. Their money is international. And they're looking out for their own international interests. Sean Ackerley is with us, and uh, he's um, a Bay Area activist who has kind of uh, become a Bohemian Grove tracker. Now, how close can you get to the actual uh, elite playground up there in Monterio? I mean, is the security as, as tight as it is at a Bilderberg meeting? No, actually it's not. Um, it has certainly gotten a little bit tighter throughout the years. We choose to do a, um, a hangout, um, uh, uh, you could call it tracking, you could call it uh, protesting, uh, you know, there's various words for it. Um, we choose to do that outside the gates so they know that we're there and we don't try to do anything subterfuge. But quite frankly, it's a very large grove. And it's, it's not, you can't really contain it. There's a river on one side, there's, there's you know, forests all around it. Um, if you, you know, had an interest in getting in there, um, you would essentially just have to make a game plan on, you know, what you would look like, who you might talk to, what you might say. Um, and uh, it's, it is possible, in my opinion, that you could get in. Uh, our group doesn't try to do that. Um, we simply like to talk to people, talk to the employees that are coming in and out of the main gate. And talk to me about, uh, I mean, there seems to be, unlike, for example, the Bilderberg meetings where, you know, people show up in stretch limos, shirt ties uh, at a five-star hotel and uh, have in-camera uh, in meetings, in, in other words, no press allowed, there seems to be kind of an occult undertone at Bohemian Grove. You've got, you know, uh, this 40-foot high stone owl on the banks of a lake, and you've got these, uh, supposedly, these robe-draped worshippers in attendance. I mean, talk to me about some of the pagan rituals or the occult. Well, we'll do that when we come back. The music's coming along. Uh, Sean Ackerley is with us. We're talking about Bohemian Grove, which is happening, well, uh, I believe it was July 16th that kicked off, and we'll find out more details about that when we come back. Sean Ackerley, resist the Grove. Stay with us on The Conspiracy Show. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes, corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Big Brother is listening, and so are you. 
to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Sean Ackley. Uh, apologies, Sean. I, I think I refer to you as Ackerley, but it's Sean Ackley. Uh, is with us, and uh, it's Resist the Grove. And incidentally, if you want to uh, uh, follow uh, Sean's blog, it's blog.resistthetyranny.com, blog.resistthetyranny.com. And there you can read uh, his um, dispatches. Uh, he's in, He's been involved in End the Fed and uh, sort of an admirer of, uh, of Ron Paul and Thomas Jefferson and uh, has also been involved in uh, We Are Change. He co-founded, in fact, We Are Change San Francisco, Resist the Grove, which I mentioned, uh, and the Fed, and uh, has been involved in other libertarian, even Tea Party events and causes. And he hails, while he hails from a more conservative background, he maintains a libertarian view of the world. And uh, a local heartfelt drive only a father of three boys uh, can muster. Now, uh, the actual timing of the um, of Bohemian Grove this year, was it July 14th or 16th that it kicked off? Right. So it's July, um, roughly the 14th, which is a Thursday, is when they start arriving. So to answer briefly your question about limos and stuff like that, they actually do show up in uh, limos and town cars. Of course, California is a little casual uh, but they're all, you know, the blacked out windows and stuff like that. And uh, some guys drive themselves from the airport. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's on the 14th. Uh, staff arrives earlier in the week. And then, uh, of course, it's a Saturday in this year was the 16th. So we hold it usually on the 16th. Just so, um, well, it's easier for all of us who actually, you know, have to work for the man and everything. So. <laughs> work for the man. <laughs> and I, I was asking you earlier before the break about the um, about sort of the pagan or occult undertone, the, this 40-foot uh, stone statue of an owl, and uh, I believe there's a statue of St. John with his hand, like, sort of uh, making a shush sign. Uh, tell me about some of the uh, the pagan trappings. Well, St. John is no pagan, but tell me about the 40-foot owl. Absolutely. I mean, you could easily get on uh, Internet Google Images. Um, of course, there's a few uh, free videos on the Internet about this. Um, Occult, uh, which is, you know, just hidden, right, or secret, um, uh, Babylonian rituals, uh, stuff from, you know, what, we're, what we would consider old school. Um, there are not just trappings, but the, uh, the ritual itself, the cremation of care, does have undertonings of, you know, um, cremating or getting rid of care or the fact that... Uh, you know, you do all of these things in the world where you make your life the way you want it. And when I say you, meaning like the elite or those people who believe in the way that they're going, they want to, you know, relieve themselves of the worry that they have of what they're imposing on the rest of us. Um, and, you know, I would have to say that there has definitely been, I mean, since 19, you know, you could say 1913, maybe 1934 or something like that, there has been a lot, like a steeper path in this occult practice. The, the ceremony of the cremation of care 
today, I think, is much more symbolic of what it used to be. Um, the druid shrouds, the, um, the costumes that they wear, this is all relatively the same. But the attendees, since we haven't had somebody in the Grove actually filming since around 2000, I'm not sure what has happened over the last, you know, 15, 16 years. Um, my guess is that a lot of the attendees are no longer um, perhaps believe in the occultic version of that or are dressing themselves that way. Um, or perhaps they're doing like a Halloween. I was talking at the Grove about possibly more of like a Halloween type of a thing where they're dressing up, but they don't really believe it. Um, just simply because I know we have, uh, like, the Italian consulate was there two years ago. We have Google, Facebook representatives. There's representatives from other big business that have various agendas, whether it's from RFID to um, military contractors to, um, well, you know, Google and Facebook that track all of our data um, with or without our permission. Um, so with those kind of members, it would be interesting to find out what they actually thought about it. I think it would be conjecture for me to really right know more whether than that yeah whether it's just kind of the trapping uh, that uh, is now mainly a metaphor or whether they still uh, sort of recognize and uh, acknowledge the significance. I was reading um, something here online. It's a, a quote from. Uh, a book called Medicine Cards, The Discovery of Power Through the Ways of Animals. And they talk about uh, the, the stone owl. When uh, – and, and they say that if you ask any a Native American elder, they'll tell you this. When owl manifests in a stone form, it means lack of empathy. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> not surprising. I mean we've certainly seen that reflected in political leaders, a total lack of empathy, almost a sociopathy. Um, and um, – but what do they – I mean, what, do they actually get down to business? I mean, is it mainly, you know, sort of frolicking and behaving like uh, frat, frat boys or do they get down to business and have uh, sort of a tete-a-tete -tete when they discuss – let's say, for example, you know, the, the, the order goes out that Facebook is going to uh, uh, censor – you know, conservative viewpoints, which is certainly happening right now, or, you know, kicking people off Twitter, like people like Milo, Yiannopoulos. I mean, do they have those kinds of sessions, or is it mainly kind of just a, relax, a relaxing uh, weekend? No, I can't imagine anything being relaxed um, completely. Um, you are, when, just think about it this way. Whenever you get four of your friends together, and I'm talking four of your friends, Richard, and four of my friends, or four guys from Monsanto get together and start talking about stuff, they are not going to sit there and just simply talking about things that don't matter, okay? And what I mean is things that don't matter to them. So if you have four guys from Monsanto and what matters to them is making money by selling chemicals to people, that's what they're going to talk about. And, of course, they're going to throw in some of the fun stuff, whether it's the beach or, in this case, it's the grove, it's the woods. Of course, they're going to do that. I know for an absolute fact that if I went to the grove and I hung out with, let's say, 100 of my friends that I meet 
not only year to year, but that I meet, um, you know, in business on conference calls and stuff like that. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to talk about stuff that has happened, stuff that I don't like. I'm going to confront people and say, hey, why did you do that to me? And I'm going to start talking about the future. Why wouldn't you? I mean, you, you have this audience sitting there of people that maybe look up to you or maybe people that you look up to, you know? And uh, I, I simply think that it would be, you know, ridiculous to assume that they don't talk about what's important to them. And in this case, it's going to be what's making them money and giving them power. And, of course, power is ultimately, I think, what this is all about, right? Well, there is the, um, the story of, uh, of uh, then-Governor Bill Clinton attending a Bilderberg meeting in 1991, I think it was, maybe 1990-91. Uh, nobody knew who, outside of Arkansas who Bill Clinton was. And uh, he met uh, David Rockefeller there. Uh, Rockefeller proceeded to, to, to quiz Bill Clinton about his views on, on globalization when Clinton answered correctly and made it apparent that he was on board with sort of the globalization uh, plan, Rockefeller supposedly stuck out his hand and said, thank you very much, Mr. President. And of course, within months of that supposed meeting, Clinton was being declared the front runner by all the major networks. Do, Absolutely. do presidents or, or, or candidates, uh, likewise, do they go before Bohemian Grove in order to, to win that imprimatur? Do they need to, to, to pass that muster? From my, and let me see here now, 2012-ish is kind of when I got really more serious about this whole thing. From about 2012, my research is to suggest that this is more of where the companies and the people who implement all of the actions for the Bilderberg globalists is where they go. So they're there to listen to people give uh, Lakeside uh, chats. They're there to listen to what's going to be happening over the next year. The movers and shakers that show up are there to do the leading and to be the representatives of what's happening. And, and do they go there to get vetted out? I don't think at that level. I think that if you were vetting somebody, perhaps it might be a representative for Facebook or a representative from a consulate or, or from some local military, like I was mentioning, those, those three primary groups. Uh, could even be from local politics, but I haven't personally seen anyone there from politics, but I, I'd have to assume that there is. Um, but at the level of, let's say, presidents or the movers and shakers like the Kissingers and, and um, guys like that, a Trump or, you know, who even knows if Trump is going to Bohemian Grove this last week? Um, I can't imagine. Level, he is... I can't imagine. I mean, he's he's really he really has the uh, the elites in both parties. I call it the you know it's I don't call it it's it's the war party, uh, Republican Democrat. Uh, I mean, it's really a two headed monster. I can't imagine that yeah. that Trump would be. Uh, uh, first of all, I don't think they could trust him with their secrets. <laughs> right, and I think that's where it comes down to. Right, is because um, I mean I I've, I've openly told people this, and I'll, I'll say this on this show: if somebody invited me to go to the Bohemian Grove. Um, and it was just an open, outright, hey, you know, we know who you are. We want you to come to the Grove to see what it's like. Um, I'd go. I mean, why not take a, uh, why not take a uh, you know, invitation like that? But at the same time, of course, you're not going to uh, – you're obviously going to know that people will not be telling you the things that they normally would 
speak about. And I think this is why Bilderberg of all is, is the most locked down because they keep telling us, oh, well, we want to have a place where we can speak our mind and not have the press in there and talking about everything we want to do. And the same holds true for Bohemian Grove. They have a, a press blackout in California. Only the local two newspapers, um, you know, possibly the San Francisco Bay Guardian, will talk about Bohemian Grove. There's no other news coverage at all of Bohemian Grove. And, uh, and if there is, perhaps it's five minutes on a local newscast. I haven't found it, though. Um, and I think that's the most powerful thing about this, is this news newscast. Um, Richard, I'm sure you've heard this before, but if, uh, you know, uh, this is about Bilderberg, but it would apply for Bohemian Grove where there's 2,000 people there. But, I mean, at, at Bohemian Grove, there's, at Bilderberg, there's like 800 people. You have 800 or 300, 800, 2,000 top people that are movers and shakers around the world or in government politics and big business. They got together in one single place. You know, um, let's say they were basketball players, and they all got together in one single place, and it was all hush-hush, and it was a total news blackout. There would be people that would definitely want to see that on the news. And it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. If these are people that are affecting our lives, ultimately they're making, you know, decisions presumably for us. Um, right. Where is the people are going to want to know that exactly? Where is the intellectual curiosity uh, from the fourth yeah. estate? At the very least, they'd say, "Well, you know, what are they talking about in there?" And instead, what in, they invariably do, whether it's the Bilderberg meetings, it's always this tongue-in-cheek reference to. You know, uh, conspiracy theorists are, uh, you know, very excited about the arrival of Queen Noor of uh, or uh, uh, Queen Beatrix of the Netherlands and David Rockefeller and, and so forth. But where is the intellectual curiosity? That's what I always want to know. Why do they why are they so dismissive that other people are interested, but they choose uh, not to cover it? Um, Absolutely. I mean, there's local Sonoma groups. Um, you know, there's there's a local Sonoma group that's been meeting up there since you know, some of the uh, nuclear talks were happening at the Grove many, many years ago, you know, back in the 60s. And um, they have kept track of the Grove for quite some time, talking about how it's a, uh, you know, a collection of, um, you know, movers and shakers talking about big business matters and, um, you know, deciding the, the fate of our future. And, and okay, that's great. And they've really done a bang-up job, you know, making sure that people know about it once again, same press blackout from the 60s, same press blackout. Nobody covers it. And, and so even today, you know, I get involved. I have a little bit different view than the Sonoma um, people. Um, you know, Sonoma's a different crowd, of course. Um, they've been there since the 60s, and they are, um, you know, I don't know, self, self-proclaimed hippies and stuff like that. And that's great. I mean, I, I, look, I love all kinds of people. Like I said, I'm a libertarian in heart right now. And um, they just keep everybody informed about what's going on. But same press blackout. So that's why we're up there. I, I want people to understand we're going to do the YouTube. We're going to do Facebook. We're going to do all the things that everyone else doesn't want to do. And at least people can go and write us and say, hey, what are you doing next year? And maybe next year we have 20 people or 100 people. Or maybe the year after that it grows. And... Um, uh, ultimately, I mean, I can maybe give a plug for 2020, but we want to get the group 
Bohemian Grove at the Grove. So I'm hoping that'll take place. <laughs> All right. Sean Ackley stays with us. Resist Tyranny is, uh, Tyranny is the name of his blog, blogspot.resisttyranny.com. And uh, we are talking about the, uh, the summer camp for the elites, Bohemian Grove. He calls it uh, the Bilderberg West. When uh, the movers and shakers, the super elite, people with more money than God, more power uh, than the soap salesmen, the politicians, all gather together for a couple of weeks and um, engage in, well, we'll talk about some of the lewd and lascivious behavior that uh, supposedly goes on there as well. And we'll also discuss whether or not live sacrifices have ever happened. There is an interesting photograph going back to 1909. Uh, we'll talk about that as well. Sean Ackley, and uh, we'll, we'll hope to connect with his colleague, Greg Fernandez Jr., before the hour is up. Stay with us. Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Sean Ackley is with us. Resist the Grove. And uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get his colleague, Greg Fernandez uh, Jr., on the program uh, to talk. But uh, in his stead, Sean... Um, uh, tell us about uh, uh, Greg's book, which is Dull Care, which is this kind of a brief glimpse into this annual uh, Bohemian Grove gathering. Uh, tell us about Dull Care. Yeah, um, Dull Care was uh, published because he wanted to get something out before the Grove this year, um, put several chapters in there, uh, one of which, of course, is on the Bohemian Grove. And it's going to be a part of a larger book called What is Truth that he's going to publish out later. Um, this is the uh, cover. You've even put it up on your uh, Internet site already. Um, but, you know, there's a few chapters, uh, extremely briefly, I mean, you know, talking about the club itself, uh, the cremation of care ritual, where it goes into some of the Babylonian rite, Babylonian ritual um, that you were talking about earlier. Um, talks about lakeside chats that go on, and this is kind of where, you know, you have a guy talking let's say Google or something like that, is talking about what they're doing, what they're wanting to accomplish, and then everyone listens to them. And, of course, then that's what I believe, of course, is uh, the next day you've got people that are discussing everything that's happening at the Lakeside Chats. Um, there's, a, um, there's an actual chapter on David Gergen and about uh, Alex Jones's uh, meeting with him. And David Gergen, um, we should point out, was an advisor, I believe, in the Reagan administration. Uh, or was it, yeah, it was Reagan, wasn't it? David Gergen? Uh, yes, David Gergen, uh, former presidential advisor to Richard Nixon, Geraldine, Gerald Dean, <laughs> Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, and Bill Clinton. So quite, quite the uh, history with this man, right? Um, so you'll get information on that. Um, there's a chapter called Search for Truth. Um, various people that have gone into the Grove, like Mike Hansen, uh, Chris Jones, 
um, and some others. They're always looking, of course, for the truth. You mentioned you mentioned, you mentioned a, Mark Hansen, and, and it was um, Hansen and Alex Jones that uh, that went to the Grove in 2000 and actually captured or secretly videotaping um, uh, the you know the worship of Molech, uh, which is the god of child sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, this is this is one of the rituals there. They're actually worshiping absolutely. Molech, the god of child sacrifice. Right now, I would like to point out that we course, always try to look for the most truthful explanation to things, um, and there is documentation on the Bohemian Owl, or the Owl of Bohemia, as it were, and as far as the references to Moloch, I believe they are Moloch-type Babylonian worship, um, because I believe it's been pointed out that the, Bohem- the Owl of Bohemia is itself not an image of Moloch itself. Um, but one of the um, uh, pagan idols used in those rituals. I, it, it's an important distinction because we have some groups that say, well, wait a minute, that's not an image of Moloch, or that's not Moloch, so everything else you say is wrong. And I just want to say that we're just simply looking for the truth. And uh, uh, this is something that Mike Hansen said. This is in the book as well. Would you let your neighbor even walk your dog or babysit your children if they were sacrificing humans in effigy to some 45-foot stone owl god and chanting, oh, great owl of Bohemia? I mean, is that something you really want to be discussing with your neighbor? Right. Well, yeah, I just go down to the grove and do these things. It's like, oh, okay, Wow. Right in effigy, in effigy, but still symbolic, and 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 yeah. it's not just uh, you know members of the royal order of uh, water buffalo that are doing this. These are world leaders. Uh, uh, Helmut Schmidt, the former um, yeah. leader of of Germany, uh, R- Ronald Reagan, and and Richard Nixon, both credited the relationships they cultivated at the Bohemian Grove in helping pave their way uh, to the White House. Now, I mean, I'm, yeah. I, 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 by and large, I was a, I'm a big fan of Ronald Reagan, but everyone has some skeletons. And so I guess if you want to, if you're an outsider and you want to win the ultimate prize, and, and that's the White House, sometimes you've got to play the game. I agree. I mean, I, I do believe that Reagan had his moments. Um, yeah, I, I think you summed it up really well because he. Uh, didn't want Bush in there, and of course we know how all that turned out. And uh, yeah, that was foisted upon him. Uh, and he's a West Coast guy, right? I mean, you know, basically, you know, I think if anybody's going to show up at the Bohemian Grove, it's going to be somebody like a Reagan. And that's why I'm suggesting that if we have anybody locally, I mean, like did Arnold Schwarzenegger show up at Bohemian Grove, for instance? I would almost have to say he probably did, but I, I mean, we didn't actually see him, of course, but. That would have been really secret if he would have been brought into the Grove. Um, but these are types of questions that should be answered at some point. Well, here's another um, important consideration. Because you have well, – we're heading into a break. We'll address this when we come back. And I do want to get to that photograph of – it's an African-American. Of course, back in 1909, they had another name for African-Americans. And he is tied to a stretcher. This is a picture taken at Bohemian Grove. Uh, and, you know, the question is, are we, are we talking about here a live sacrifice – uh, we'll discuss that. Sean Ackley, Resist the Grove, stays with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. 
You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, Just a programming note. Next week on the program, the return of the man with X-ray eyes, Canada's Edgar Cayce, uh, Dr. Uh, Douglas James Cottrell will be here uh, in the second hour of the program. Right now, Sean Ackley stays with us. Resist the Grove. We're talking about Bohemian Grove. What happens at the Grove? Uh, Do... Uh, those in attendance practice the occult. Um, are we talking about the Illuminati? Uh, Sean, I mentioned this picture I, I've seen online. It's dated 1909, and it appears to be taken at the Grove. We see an African-American tied to a stretcher. Uh, and, you know, the, the speculation, of course, rampant, was this, in fact, some sort of a live sacrifice. What do you, do you, are you familiar with the picture? What do you hear? What do you know? I am familiar with the picture. I mean, I've seen it before. Um and I just brought it up to refresh my memory. He's right here. Um, of course, pictures like this, all you're going to see is uh, no context associated with it. Um, if there were live human sacrifices taking place during, let's say, the cremation of care, I would have to think, and that's just because, once again, I am a reasonable person. I would have to think that that itself would get out and somebody would talk about it. But, once again, that's because I'm a reasonable person, and I don't think that anybody would keep that a secret. Um, And, and of course, I I think being naive, you have to say, well, I don't really want to think about, like, them actually burning, you know, a a live, uh, uh, you know, black African-American person, um, you know, on a stretcher. You know, I'm that is pretty difficult to think about. Um, and so, no, I'm hoping it's part of play acting. Um, as far as things like human or child sacrifices, you could delve into a really deep rabbit hole about Bohemian Grove by looking into names like Ted Gunderson's investigation of Colonel Michael Aquino, for instance. Right. And, oh, yeah, this, um, this, this uh, child abduction ring uh, yeah. that has been linked to some very, very highly placed individual, uh, not only in the United States, but in the United Kingdom. Uh, yeah, I mean, is, is Bohemian Grove somehow tied into that? Absolutely. And if you, and this is why I just want to look for the truth. And there's a lot of really dark, dark secrets and dark happenings around the Grove. But of course, around the Grove, of course, is San Francisco. So you have the Bohemian Club, and then you have all the areas of San Francisco, including the South Bay, which are within a couple hours of the Grove. So where is it actually happening? I mean, Aquino worked right out of the Presidio, you know, and this whole child abduction ring is real stuff. I mean, it's, this is not conspiracy theories at all. This is proven child abduction rings that, you know, there's, there, there's books about it. And there's books of people who've seen this. Ted Gunderson himself was on the trail. Um, one of our even local activists, Doug Millar, worked with Ted Gunderson. 
worked on this. So this is real stuff, and you don't have to go very far to look into information. Um, I think Ted Gunderson had a keyword called invisible Kazaria. Yeah, invisible Kazaria, New World Order. It's maybe a possible search term people can look up and, and do more search for themselves. Uh, for, for those who have uh, seen Stanley Kubrick's uh, last film, Eyes Wide Shut, a lot of parallels there between this secret group that, uh, well, Tom Cruise, of course, plays this doctor who um, sort of gets involved in uh, this mysterious party where men are wearing masks and there's orgies going on and so forth. There's a lot of parallels between that and and Bohemian Grove and, of course, the speculation that uh, – uh, that Kubrick was the Illuminati's official filmmaker, staged the uh, moon landing and so forth, and, and but he, he desperately, before he died, wanted to sort of tell the truth about this group, and, and because he made Eyes Wide Shut, he paid for his life with that. What are your thoughts? I have heard stories like that. I, I don't believe any of that stuff is um, outside the realm of possibility, absolutely. I... I I'm a conspiracy realist. I, I believe that this world is controlled through conspiratorial methods, uh, kind of the way G. Edward Griffin um, talks about the conspiracy view of history. Um, I don't think it takes a lot of stretch of the imagination, quite frankly, to believe things like that, because all you need to do is get two or more people together, um, no matter how powerful they are, and if they conspire to do something, including stealing an ice cream. It's still a conspiracy theory, you know? Did they do it? You know, how much, you know, did they pay to steal it? You know, where did they take the ice cream after it was done? I mean, right. it's still a conspiracy theory, right? Absolutely. They make, it, they make it sound like we're nut jobs. And it's like, wait a minute. No. I want to tell people that we're out there. We're willing to talk to them. I don't care who they are. Show up at the Grove next year. We'll talk to you about whatever it is you believe. Um, and we're going to sit down and have a conversation about it. And that's my position on it. So that's, and I'm hoping that Greg's books will just bring light to that um, and give people maybe a place to start talking. Uh, people, uh, well, Jim Tucker, who, of course, did some great work uh, reporting on the Bilderberg. He's sort of the granddaddy of the Bilderberg trackers, Alex Jones, of course, and, and uh, Danny Lestulin. As well, but but Tucker had people on the inside that would feed him information. Um, have you, have you or anyone else that you know of been able to establish contact with somebody uh, who works uh, at the Grove, or maybe someone who's invited and and but but you know wants to leak out information? Have have, have those sorts of contacts been made? No, you know, I have not. I don't even know, quite frankly, possibly how to even maybe present myself to people to get that kind of information. I think usually you have to know somebody. Um, and what we do is just sort of hang out the Grove and talk to the employees. And although they're not giving us inside information, we get kind of a general idea about the way they're being treated, um, about um, the general air of like how tired they are when they leave. But as far as the information goes, no, I, I have not had anybody actually like contact me through some kind of means. Not to suggest I wouldn't. If somebody were to contact me and say, hey, you know, I'd like to get you some information about the Grove, possibly even get you in there at some point, 
I, I, I would see myself taking some risks to, uh, you know, to set up a meeting like that. Um, and, and there are involved, of course. Maybe not as much as Bilderberg, but uh, certainly some at least. What, what, um, what about the reports of the sort of the lewd and lascivious behavior? Obviously, alcohol is is flowing freely, but you know, a lot of these guys that uh, would attend Bohemian Grove, like Henry Kissinger, David Rockefeller, these guys are getting on. I mean, Rockefeller is over a hundred years old. Kissinger is approaching ninety, uh, if he's not already. Uh, but I mean, are those reports of of this being sort of a drunken debauchery, orgies, and so forth? Is that overblown, or is there some truth to that? There's definitely been truth to that in the past. I can't even imagine that it's not still true. How crazy people get. We have direct evidence at just literally sitting outside the Grove entrance, where we will hear them emptying beer bottles into their recycling bins, like. For hours, I mean, so it does not take a stretch of the imagination when you're going through that much beer that you're going to have some interesting things happen down there. And there is guaranteed to be um, prostitutes of uh, either type of nature um, at this event um, and a lot of uh, shenanigans happening um, when they have their private time in their individual uh, encampments. Um, you do a little bit of research in the Grove and you find that there's anywhere between 80 to 100 different encampments of different levels of uh, political clout happening there. And uh, they all have their own levels of secrecy as well. Uh, so, it, I mean, it is sort of an offshoot of Skull and Bones, which is the secret society established at Yale University. And I'm wondering, because some of the rituals at Yale, you know, uh, having to confess in a, while you're lying in a coffin and so forth, and again, some of the, 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 the sexual acts that, at, uh, that initiates are supposed to perform, I'm wondering if this is a method of, uh, you know, some of these events would be recorded, taped, and some of the unwitting uh, participants not realizing what's happening in their drunken state, this is how politicians end up being controlled. They're blackmailable because of something that happens at the Bohemian Grove. What are your thoughts? I would have to agree with that. In fact, that line of questioning is definitely a real possibility because there is also real evidence and books written about the fact that most, if not all, of the top Republican leadership, and in this case I really do mean Republican leadership, not conservative, but Republican, um, that they're all bought off somehow with uh, um, evidence of uh, blackmail or, or, or what have you, uh, whether it's, um, you know, uh, consorting with the same sex. Um, and, and, and keep in mind that this is not about a sexual preference, okay? Um, sexual preferences in a libertarian view is up to the person. This is not about that. This is about what the perception of the person is to their constituents. If their constituents are being told that they believe that the politician in question believes a certain way and they put bills in Congress and they spend money, our money, and they do all of these actions, quote, on our behalf, but yet they're just lying through their teeth because they're a completely different person in private, people need to know that because um, if, if they were actually – you know, let's say in a 
in a world in which our politicians actually did what we hired them to do, I'm not exactly sure libertarians would have a problem with that. Right. You know, right. or well, people it, like me, maybe maybe not hardcore, you know, um, no government uh, uh, type libertarians, which I look, I don't have a problem with that either. Um, I guess if if we send people to um, D.C. or to our local state houses and they actually do what we say and all the people going, wow, they're doing what we say they're doing. Who cares what they do in their personal life? Right. The point is, though, that, they, that it seems to be uh, a prerequisite of becoming a nominee or becoming uh, elected. I mean, we often we, we ask ourselves, there are 360 million Americans in the United States, and why every four years do we seem to get not the best but the worst? It's because it seems to Correct. be a precondition that whoever gets vetted must be blackmailable. So they have to have a lot of skeletons in their closet, whatever those skeletons are. I think it all goes back to the OSS, and it goes back to the way that intelligence officers were typically blackmailed and brought into the fold. Um, once again, there's books on this as well. Just go find them. Um, you know, uh, James Bond, you know, was written by... You know, the gentleman who was actually in the OS, you know, n not originally worked for the OSS or the CIA, right? But he wrote all the original documents, right? Uh, uh, Fleming, right, wrote the documents that became what the CIA is. I mean, he was requested to do that. That's right. These are, these are how the, the CIA traditionally uh, gets their um, land-based intelligence officers, you know, uh, you know, the people who actually go out and are the actual on-the-ground fight. That's right, and that's how you control people as well. Listen, uh, Sean, we are out of time, but I want to thank you for this hour. Enjoyed it, and certainly as, uh, doing great work, shining a spotlight on Bohemian Grove, and the blog is resisttyranny.com, blog.resisttyranny.com. Uh, Sean, thanks again. Thank you. All right. My thanks to uh, Ian Robertson, Will Power, Albert Vinzel, all of you for listening at home. Back next week with a brand new program. The Man with X-Ray Eyes, Canada's Edgar Casey, Dr. Douglas Cottrell will be along, along with Stefan Verstappen. Do you remember uh, we, we talked to Stefan in the past about uh, sociopaths and how they're uh, basically running the planet? All right. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.